Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Thank you guys for coming out on a, a normal Colorado winter day. You can go that way. It just, just, it'll, it'll just reflect your head, brother, that's all. So, Praise the Lord. It's good to have everybody here. If you would, open in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are working our way through this. I'm, I'm sure that we'll pick up some level of speed sooner or later. Um, but it's just such an important book of the Bible because it, it gives us so many different ways to see wisdom. It, it gives us an understanding of, of really how God got it across to a man. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we, don't, we don't always put in our perspective that somehow this, this person had to hear God's voice in such a way that he decided to write it down. Everybody else had to hear God's voice through his voice, through his writing, to save it so that 2,000 years later we can put it all in, well, it wasn't 2,000 years later, but several hundred years later we can put it all in a book and call it the Bible. And, and so it's just amazing to me how, how God does those things, more specifically how the Holy Spirit does those things, to just get us to a place where information that we're receiving from Him becomes living. The only way to have a, a living gospel, the only way to have a living book, is for those words to literally be alive. And, and so that's where we are. So Proverbs chapter 1 still, I apologize, but uh, we're getting there. And um, we'll, we'll certainly get into chapter 2 this week. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. Show us things from the depth of your wisdom, Father, that, that only energize us to look deeper. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, I've been saying to you over and over again that there are no shallow spots in the wisdom of God. So as you read the book of Proverbs, and hopefully you're following along with us, not only when we teach, but, but also you're reading that on a daily basis, just working your way through. And again, exposure to it is not meant to make you so familiar that you, <clears throat> that you don't pay attention. You know, oh yeah, I've known this, I've read this before, I know exactly what this says. But rather, that you open your heart up to a different or a deeper level of, of understanding, a deeper level, deeper level of revelation that God wants to give you. So notice if you would please in the sixth verse, in talking about how wisdom is... He says, to understand a proverb and an enigma. Now, I didn't touch this last week. I saved it on purpose for this week. Because really, what he's saying here is, and the idea of a proverb, is to literally create a habit of mind. This word literally means to create a habit of mind. What, what God is evidently trying to do is to give us one-liners that we will roll over in our minds so much that we'll think about those things and they'll come out of us at appropriate uh, uh, times. And so he says to, to understand a proverb, to understand this habit of mind that God's trying to get us to process here in verse number six. And he says to understand a proverb and an enigma. Now, we don't talk this way anymore. It's a word for puzzle. Um, but, but literally, it comes to the place where it shows us this device to explain something and then to take us deeper. So if you think of it like a puzzle, 
oftentimes what those crazy people do that make puzzles is they put the cut of the piece right where the color changes, right? And so you're trying to put one of them hard puzzles. Is anybody else a puzzle doer? I hate puzzles. I hate them because I can't leave them alone. And so I can't go to bed until it's done. And, and so in my, our family in Fort Collins, they love them. They've almost always got one working and I just, I just go like this and walk on by. But, but what you find, especially in difficult puzzles, is their little cut line is actually right on the color change. So the piece that you're holding doesn't look like it fits where it actually fits. Right? And you're looking at it going, well, that doesn't work. And you put it down there. And I don't know how many of you want to keep scissors, you know, next to your puzzle, but I do. And, and you know, that this one is supposed to fit here. And if that little knobby was a little bit smaller, it'd fit right here. And it matches the color, right? They do that. They're trying to get you. They do that all the time. This word enigma here literally means to give you a device to explain something to you and take you deeper. So think of it like this. As the puzzle colors change, you find that one kind of magic piece that goes from brown to red or whatever colors they go to and now you know that part of that color you're looking at the picture on the box right you all do that you set the box up over there and you're looking at it going well this one has to go right here you know and you're actually if you do this you're just crazy as a hoot out you actually hold the puzzle piece up to the picture which is one tenth of the size of what you're making why are you doing that you're matching the color you're saying, well, this color, it, 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 goes, it goes over here in the Christmas tree. That we did one recently that had, I don't remember, had uh, um, all the Looney Tune cartoon characters in a Christmas scene. <coughs> well, you know, all these different colors and, of course, animals with big eyes, animals with little eyes, you know, and crazy looking fingers that look like sticks. And the point is that as you do these enigma things, when you find that piece that looked like it didn't fit, but now does fit, but also changes the color so that more things fit, that's really what he's trying to show you. He's trying to show you that there are parts of your life that you will understand as you process and as you monitor this, this habit of the mind, this rolling of the mind that this proverb creates. So one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 8, says that, that I, wisdom, dwell with prudence in the knowledge of witty inventions. Now that's in the King James. doesn't say anything like that in the other one. I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Throughout all of our history, our living history, someone has been the recipient of that verse over and over and over again. You have a phone in your pocket that used to take whole buildings to make it work and lots of wire. And now you have no wire, no building, and something so small that it'll fit in your pocket. Somebody had the knowledge of witty inventions. You say, well, God doesn't do that. Okay, first of all, God's not a respecter of persons. So as he dumps things out over the cliff of heaven to land on us, somebody receives it. It'd be good if you'd line up. I remember one time there was a guy up in Holyoke that his name was, was Beale, Butch Beale, and, and he and his family invented the Beale Rod Weeder. Now, do you, know, do you remember something like that, that name? Okay, because I, I don't know how any of you are old enough to farm that, but one of the, the first things, I don't know how it worked. I don't have any idea, but he made that out of his own frustration. 
He made this thing to get weeds out of his field. I don't know what it does. I don't know how it works. I don't even care how it works. But he was reasonably wealthy because of that. One little witty invention. How many of you ever done this? When you had an idea and all of a sudden, six, eight months or a year down the line, somebody's selling your widget. You thought about going, oh. and I know that that stuff is out there available to us. The point that you have to begin to process is what Proverbs is trying to do you do for you is to give you a puzzle piece that can change your understanding and deepen your understanding. That's what he's trying to say to us here. That's in verse number six. Now, if you would, you can see then that as he offers, we introduced this last week, he gives us a, a passage of understanding, one through seven, and then he gives us examples, literally verses 11 through 19. And, and you'll see that, that what you learned in the first six or seven verses is now explained through experiences in the next verses. He does it again in verse 21 and following. Let's turn right there. Verse 20 and following. Notice what it says there. Now, you, you can go back and listen to all this if you feel like you need to, but, but here we go into the next picture. Verses 1 through 7 give us the wisdom, understanding, or the definitions. Here's what he's going to talk about. 8 through 19 gives us a, just a living example. He says, this is how this is going to happen. This is when you're going to have to apply yourself to wisdom. Then in verse 20 and following to the end of the chapter, he gives wisdom a personality. The writer gives, largely all of these are written by Solomon, but the writer gives a wisdom, a personality, literally makes wisdom come alive. And you'll see that throughout the book of Proverbs. In fact, almost within every chapter, you'll get an example, like what we had in verses um, 8 and following, and you'll get some sort of living expression of wisdom. And that's why I keep saying to you, wisdom doesn't have any shallow spots. Because when wisdom becomes a person that walks with you, you've turned your wisdom into what the New Testament is. Jesus became unto us wisdom from God. And he's walking with you. Notice in verse number 20 and following then, it says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. Now, (laughs) remember that he just dealt with these people that will call you and say, come join us. We're going to run to evil. We're going to shed blood. Talks about evil women and all that kind of stuff. And then it says, now here's this practical living example of wisdom. It says, wisdom calls aloud outside. If you have a good study Bible, what you might find somewhere noted in there is that wisdom calls in the street. Public square. Very good. Wisdom calls in the street. Notice that in your circumstances, God puts you next to a circumstance, a situation where you can hear wisdom. Right? Where you can hear wisdom. Now, does that mean that everything you hear is wisdom? No. You're going to have to use wisdom to sort it. See, that, that's why you get the first piece of it and you go, oh yeah, i got, I got, to, I got to approach this with wisdom. I always love it when people say... God does everything for a reason. I just think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because, and the, the second craziest thing is that you think you know what the reason is. Right? You're going, well, everything happens for a reason. No, everything happens in a world that's largely consumed by sin and stupid. And then we say, well, everything happens for God does everything for a purpose. Oh, maybe, 
But what if wisdom tells you that God didn't do all of that? See, we got these choices, right? Who crucified Jesus? The Jews? The Romans? You? <laughs> Which is what the Bible says? Or God? Now, you see, it takes some wisdom to process this. We were a part of those handing out the hammer and nails, according to Revelation in the New Testament. We were there. People didn't like what Jesus said. So man was there. The devil was pretty sure he just won the lottery of life. And God said, it pleases me to do it. You understand it takes a little bit of wisdom to process how life works. And so when you're in the city square, when wisdom is hollering, you know, if you're inside a house and wisdom is hollering outside, you might ask yourself the question, why didn't wisdom come in? Because where you are is not where you should be. Right? Remember Elijah when he was up in the mountain? Only one left. God came to him and said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm the only one left. That didn't answer the question. Right? And they had earthquake and all that kind of stuff. The, the point is that God hollered at him outside of the cave. What are you doing in here? Wisdom will get you to leave a place that you shouldn't be because it's hollering at you from the street. That's his point. She raises her voice in open squares. Sometimes, sometimes, it takes wisdom to discern this. Sometimes wisdom hollers so loud it's the only thing that you can hear. And sometimes wisdom is so quiet it's really easy to ignore. What's the difference? Sometimes God will scream to get your attention. Other times he'll wait for you to choose him. Sometimes choosing him, how many of you know that you have options? I always loved it. You know, we've gone through this together, but, but I heard all kinds of people back in the days of vaccines and mandates and all that kind of stuff. People, we don't have any options. If we own you, we've got to get a shot. I don't care if you got a shot or you didn't get a shot, but let me just point out to you, you got options. You do not. Yeah, well, it cost me my job. I understand that it might cost you your job. You have options. Pick a new job. Now, how do you hear that? You know, because sometimes the people that are doing the most screaming are not necessarily the sharpest tools in their shed. And they'll scream and scream and scream. You've got to hear the quiet voice of God inside. Because if not, you can't believe the number of pastors that I've counseled who have said to me, Pastor, I don't know what to do, but here's the problem. And then they'd tell me a situation that God had called them to that they couldn't do without getting a shot. What do I do, they'd say. I said, what are you called to do? Well, I'm called to do this. How are you going to accomplish that? Well, I got to go to this building, this thing, right? The number of, of chaplains in the healthcare system. It was their God call. What do they do? Well, don't get that shot, whatever you do. Okay, so then the next time that that person 
comes in and is on their literal deathbed and your calling is to go minister to that family, you can't facilitate your calling because of fear that God won't handle what you have to do to do what he's asked you to do. That's hard. That's so hard. And people go, well, just by golly. No, don't, don't by golly me. Put it in a perspective that you have to be disobedient to God to not get a shot. Anyway, please don't hear this wrong. I don't care. It's gone. I mean, that thing's almost near as I can tell. Well, I don't listen to the news, so I, I just, the people that, that I'm talking to aren't hollering about it anymore, so I guess it's okay. It's over, you know. And whatever's done is done. You say, well, how can you be so cavalier? Because I trust God. I've been in situations in my life where the only option I had was to trust God. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've all, see, that, this, this is where my sermon series on control comes from. Man, if the only thing you have is to trust God, I'll guarantee you, you're not in control. I'll guarantee you, you're not in control. And it doesn't always feel good. You say, well, how can God do that? Because he is opposed to being number two in your life. How hard is that? If you're the one spinning the wheels of your life, you lack wisdom. Verse number 20 says, she raises her voice in open square. She cries out in the chief concourse at the, <coughs> at the opening of the gates in the city. She speaks her word. Notice that he gave a personality, a female personality, to wisdom. Look what, look what the woman wisdom says. <laughs> I get really tickled when I spend time just preparing for, for teaching this because it's not the first time I've read it, but now I've got to read it so I can kind of explain it to you. And verse number 22 is awesome. How long, you simple ones, <laughs> how many have longed for the day when life was simple? Look what he says. He says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke, surely I'll pour out my spirit upon you. See, some of the things we go through are extraordinarily complex and hard to make right decisions with. And what we long for is the simple days. I, I will tell you, as a parent, if you didn't go through that day when you could tell your kids what to do and they actually kind of did it, and then they got old enough to say, we ain't doing that, and then they got old enough to go out on their own do whatever they want. You go, oh, I long for those simple days, Right? I mean, long for the days when the wind doesn't blow. Or long for the days when it's not cold. Oh, I just read, you know, I mean, I've heard it a lot. I just, just back over here, somebody was, I think it was Neil said, aloha. And, and, you know, then everybody, we're ready to go suffer for Jesus in Hawaii because it's 72 degrees there year round. It's awesome. They don't have any snakes. Turn up my rebuke, surely I pour out my spirit. I will make my words known to you. Notice whose responsibility it seems to be in this passage to make wisdom known to you. Do you see it? I will make my words known to you. He'll pour out his spirit. Wisdom, in the personification here, wisdom will make God's word known to you. It's awesome. You say, well, but pastor, don't, don't you need to, 
No, wisdom will actually speak to you and give you stuff that you're not smart enough to know. God will impart that to you. Verse 24, because I've called you and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Notice that wisdom, now this is still talking about the, the person of wisdom, has, has, has called out and you refused. Sometimes we will hear or even have within us wisdom and we will refuse its operation in our life. Isn't it interesting that the book about wisdom tells us how we, <clears throat> how we ignore wisdom? I knew nobody would like that. Look at this. I've called, you've refused. Verse 24, stretch out my hand and no one regarded. Do you understand that to miss the yielding of the Holy Spirit, you actually, if, if you believe that God pitches his tent, right? He dwells with you. The word means to pitch your tent in the face of. If God himself pitches his tent right here in front of me, do you understand that to get around what he's trying to show me, I've got to turn and walk around God? And that's what they're saying here. He's saying, listen, you, you, you've disdained my counsel. You've had none of my, verse 25, you know. He stretched out, verse 24, I stretched out my hand, no one regarded. They literally walked around it. Because you've disdained all my counsel, would have none of my rebuke. I remember the rebuke coming from God during times in the last three years. Where people said, wait, this can't be right. And we missed what God was trying to show us. But people hung on with a death grip to some of that stuff. He says, I will also laugh at your calamity. This is not, I don't believe this is talking about God. I believe this is talking about wisdom laughing, going, I had the solution for you and you didn't receive it. Right? A mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes in like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when your distress and anguish will come. Remember that story in the, in the New Testament when Jesus was talking about how blessed the man who built his house on the rock and the guy who built it on the sand? The storm came against both. One of them, through wisdom, had a house that wasn't going to be affected by the storm. That's kind of what he's saying here. He said, listen, when your terror comes in like a storm, I don't mean to be the bearer of complete bad news here, but you need to understand something. There are going to be some times in your life where you don't like what you hear. And wisdom is going to require of you to build on something that can't be shaken by the storm. Okay. Right? How many of us have come apart at the seams Based on what we heard. Right? In, in the last little bit, you know, we hear all... I, I think in the state of Colorado, you can't buy... Or the state of California, you can't buy a gas-powered car. You've got to buy an electric car. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. And here's what I hear occasionally. Well, they're going to force us. Nope, you have choices. You have choices. And you say, well, what if they force us? You still got choices. <laughs> How are they going to force you? Well, I'm not going to be, well, okay, then take care of the car you got. Well, I can't get gasoline. Some of this stuff defies logic. And the storm is coming at us on a regular basis. I'll tell you this, the storm of half-truths and intellectual stuff coming at you every day. Every day, man, here it comes. It's washing over you. You need to be careful about how much of that stuff you put in. 
Because you put too much of that in, and wisdom will take a back seat in your life. Um, terror comes like a storm, 27. And then, he, then wisdom says, then they will call on me, but I'll not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they'll not find me. You understand, you can't find wisdom simply because you want it unless you look in the right place. Many of us want wisdom when we're in deep soup. Well, I'd like to have some wisdom here. Well, let's back up just a little. I, I tell you, I've had, I had counseling some time ago with um, a family, and, and they were having financial troubles. And just the basic sit down with them. And, of course, they were sent to us because their church didn't, didn't know how to handle them. Love it when that happens. I'll, I'll talk with you. Well, they had three cars, three car payments. I've been to the Dave Ramsey school of cut up the credit cards and sell the car. That's wisdom. Cut up the credit cards, sell the car. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you, I, I can't sell the car. There's only two of them. Let's do the math. If there's two of you and you got three cars, you better have a need for that third one. You know, I'd like to have two cars and a tank. That's what I want. Okay. Yeah, you know, I don't need one or two bullets or whatever you call them things that you shoot out of the tank. You know, I, I just want to run over something with the tank. Okay, that's just, you know, it's on my bucket list. And I thought I was going to get it. <clears throat> one, of my, one of my students, uh, high school students, joined the military and went to tank school and came back. And he, I talk about it all the time. How many of you think that's just a crazy idea that, first of all, I'm not sure that you wouldn't have to take the lid off the tank to get me in. But nonetheless, I want to drive the tank. And he went to tank school. And, and when he graduated, they give him these, these commemorative coins. And he gave me his coin. I still have it to this day. I have a coin that says I graduated from tank school. I also asked him for a hand grenade. He couldn't get that either. I mean, yeah, how many of you know that's not always wisdom? See, sometimes you have to hear deeper. Than, than that. Okay? Notice it says then, um, uh, he said, they'll seek me, this is verse 28, but they'll not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You don't get a pick. He's telling you that you hated knowledge. He said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. If God tells you in a circumstance that he's trying to get across to you that you hated knowledge... You might want to go ahead instead of arguing with him, except how did I hate that? Right? I heard a pastor say the other day, he said, your Savior is not going to land on Air Force One. <laughs> and he, and he, talk, he talked about how he hated knowledge. I mean, that's what I got out of it. I went, okay, Savior's not arriving on an airplane. That's cool. Yeah. Notice what he said. They hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord. Notice you have to choose the reverential respect of God. He's not wanting you to be scared of Him. He wants you to be in awe of Him. By the way, it's the same word for fearing the devil. The same word in the New Testament that we get phobia from. Phobos is is the Greek word, and it literally means fear. Fear has to have the object clear. 
If you fear Satan, you fear the results he can give or bring over the results that God gives. The fear of the Lord brings his results. The reverential respect of God brings his results to the forefront. I've heard so many people imply that the enemy is winning. Spoiler alert. Not possible. Right? And you say, well, but pastor, what about this? Hang on. In fact, when you're questioning whether or not God's going to get something handled, you ought to put your seatbelt on. Because it'll come upon you speedily. Because you, you understand when things come upon you speedily, it's because you weren't prepared for them. Right? I had a young man on my basketball team, couldn't catch a basketball. I'm thinking, you know, it, it's kind of important, catch the basketball. And so I got so frustrated with him that I lined everybody up in a big long line. I gave everybody a basketball. And I said, his name was Big Nick. He was taller than my Nick. I said, Big Nick, I said, you go stand right down there where you stand all the time. You know. He was the slowest guy on the team, the biggest guy on the team. You've got to stand him close to the basketball, and then, or close to the hoop. And so when he catches the basketball, which was the problem, when he catches the basketball, he can turn around and shoot because he's head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Duh. Okay, so I'm like really smart as a coach. Anyway, he couldn't catch the basketball. So I lined everybody up, gave them all the basketball, and I said, I want you to throw that basketball at him. Now, I'm not advocating that this is a good idea, okay? But you can understand that if I throw a basketball at your head, you're going to catch it, knock it out of the way, or duck. Catching it is the best thing, because if you catch it, You've got now the basketball in your hands that you can protect yourself with another one that's coming right at you as soon as that guy. And we just threw basketball at him for about 20 minutes. You say, oh, it's terrible. Yep. And now he catches. Not now. He's old now. He's, a, he's an English teacher in northern Nebraska. And guess what? Coaches basketball. And I'll guarantee you, if he has a kid that can't catch, he lines up against the team and they throw balls at him. You're going to catch. Catch or die, your choice. Right? Boom. Man, they're throwing. The point is, <laughs> I know, see? <laughs> it would, I, he was one of those guys, Lola, that should have went out for band, okay? I mean, we just should have had him over there. But he won. He was he's huge. He's a huge guy. And, and so we had to teach him how to play basketball. <laughs> just how it went yeah <laughs> they <laughs> sorry <laughs> look at <laughs> look at verse 31 I, I, I want you to understand this in light of my little basketball I don't have other kinds of stories okay I mean I have occasional band stories but that was more about gambling on the back of the bus when we were traveling that's what we did <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We would. What? Yes, I won. It's wise when you go home with the pennies. Now, it was just a penny game, you know. And so we, we paid, played, you cost a penny to, to play. And I don't remember. I, we played hearts and we played, we played poker. Nobody knew the rules, but I always won because I was the one who had the most authoritative presentation of what the rules should be. Which is, I win. So that, I mean, I don't have any of those stories. But anyway, look at, look at this in the light of th- 31. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. People who don't receive the wisdom of God, they'll eat the fruit of their own way. 
So again, you say, what's that got to do with your basketball story? He probably, based on what we now know, and I could see it in him, but, but probably had a future in helping kids, but he had to be able to help them, right? And if they didn't, he would have never known, may not have never ever known how to help somebody in that situation. I don't know. You know, when we eat the fruit of our own ways and it tastes good to us, when we settle for less than what God has for us and it feels right, I don't think that's wisdom. That's me, okay? Let's keep reading. And filled to the full with their own fancies. Filled to the full. How many ever met a smaller child who was filled to the full with their own fancies? They were pretty sure that with their bed sheet, they could fly. That's their own fancy. You say, oh, I never know anybody. Okay, I was that kid. I was pretty sure that I could hold the four corners of my bed sheet, jump off a roof, and use it as a parachute. I was pretty sure of that. My problem was I couldn't find a roof. See, here's, here's wisdom. This is my fancy. I couldn't find a roof tall enough. I need enough time for the parachute to fill with air so that I can glide ever so gracefully to the ground. So that means you've got to jump off like three, four stories high. That's, that's, that's uh, however old I was. My brother had a wisdom thing once. He, lined, he was the oldest of all the cousins. He lined us all up and cut our hair with a hedge trimmer. <laughs> like just this close to our head. You might ask yourself, how do you know? How, how do you remember that story? Because he's the only one that got whooped. Because he's the only one without a haircut. He learned. He learned. That wasn't wise. My grandpa could sharpen an edge on a set of hedge trimmers. Now, this is before electric, just these kind, right? And just imagine, you know, your five-year-old brother makes you, I, I was 13 months younger than him. I had a cousin six weeks younger than me and one that was about two and a half years younger than all of us. He lined us all up because he was the oldest and came at us like this. Of course, that makes sense. That's, see, that you'll be filled... To the full with your own fancies. When something makes sense to you that you didn't get from God, you kind of, I, I remember, I, I remember when 9-11 happened and they started blaming, you know, fanatical Muslims. And I had a solution like many of you did. A couple well-placed bombs and we got us a skating rink over there. You know, just go over there and kill them all. How many of you know that fancy, that idea in me wasn't from God? That makes sense. You say, well, that's still a good idea, Pastor. Way to go. No, it's not. Jesus died for them. And the church has been so reluctant in their work that Jesus has taken to appear to them all by himself. Huh. For Verse 32. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. Turning away from wisdom leads to your death. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Be careful how you define foolish. Because foolish to us sometimes is the type of car you drive. Well, I can't believe you'd buy that kind of car. Or the color of your tractor. Or whatever. Pick the thing, right? Well, that's foolish. Worldly definitions of smart 
or worldly definitions of wisdom will not lead you to God. Verse number 33, last verse of the chapter. But whoever listens to me, so again, wisdom became a person in this. It's another one of those examples. We came through, here's what wisdom is, here's how it works in the world, and now here's how wisdom will talk to you in the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. We're going to see that throughout the book over and over and over again. Notice in verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely. If we had this as a perspective, the difficulty that we think we're up against, pick today. If you watch the news today, you're pretty concerned there's going to be a recession. And if you listen to the right people, it's going to be the worst recession, paramount to the 29 fall of the stock market, and everybody's going to be in the same boat paddling, right? Bad deal. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, my life. Whoever listens to me will dwell in safety. It doesn't say that if circumstances of your world go well, you'll be safe. He says, if you listen to me, you'll dwell in safety. Well, but pastor, you can't, you can't, no. I didn't make up the rules. I'm just here to tell you that if you listen to wisdom... Now, I know you think, it says, listen to God. Well, that's true, it does, and, and yet this is the personification of wisdom. And so it's a very specific thing where he's asking you to pay attention to how wisdom functions and to hear that function in your life. It says they will dwell safely and will be secure, notice what it says, without fear of evil. Okay, let's work backwards. If you have fear of evil, what are you missing? Wisdom. If what you hear on the talking box causes you to freak out, if what you, I'm going to use a story in the main service today where somebody comes to Jehoshaphat and tells him, he says, gives him a bad report. Jehoshaphat does two things. He fears and he sets himself to talk to God. I'm not denying the reality of circumstances. I'm telling you that when you fear, and you say, well, how did he fear? Well, who did he talk to? If you fear the enemy, are you going to talk to God? No, you're going to talk about the enemy. Sorry. I may, I may have just jumped off the cliff for some of you. If you listen to wisdom... You'll dwell safely, be secure, and without fear of evil. I'm not making this stuff up. It's right here in the book. You say, well, pastor, I've never been. The circumstances of life have always caused me to fear evil. What happens if this happens? I'm I'm so interested when people say, you know, if this happens, then this is going to happen. And if that happens, then this is going. And they they tell you a story, three or four circumstances down the road, and three of the four circumstances have not happened. Where'd they come from? They came from the lack of wisdom. They came from the lack of wisdom. Tracy and I have just this personal example in our life right now that we're walking through with our kids. You get enough reports, it can make you scared. You won't trust God. 
And you won't. You'll, try, you'll do everything you can to make the doctor stuff come to pass. I'm not saying you shouldn't cooperate with doctors. I'm telling you, God doesn't choose to be number two in your life. If you'll trust him first, if you'll trust wisdom first. Sometimes wisdom, spiritual wisdom, looks foolish to the world. I mean, some of you were the height of foolishness this morning to your neighbors, if you have neighbors that live close. Where are those people going? It's snowing out. Well, we've driven on snow before. Be careful. Now, if you're ever at a place where you're saying wisdom says stay home, then stay home. But man, oh man, wow, people, oh, they shouldn't be out in this. I'll be secure. You know, occasionally, secure can be translated as at ease. Sometimes we're secure because we've built enough stuff around us to make us feel secure. We're actually secure by our circumstances and by our situations. It won't touch me. But we're not at ease. We're not at peace in our circumstance. Does that make sense? Well, we've done all these... It's never going to be about what you've done. It's always going to be about what God, through Jesus Christ, has already done. And when you accept that, it'll put you at peace. It'll put you at ease. It'll make you secure. Much of what we do is focused on what we do rather than what God has already done for us. If your focus is, I'm going to get this, you may want to focus on, God has already given this to me. It's different. It's just a different wisdom, right? You don't need to be in control if God's given you everything. Amen. Chapter 2. So we had a voice there that was talking to us. Now he's going to talk to us about the value. For you to accept wisdom's value, it's going to have to become a treasure to you. You treat things that you value way different than things that you don't value. Does that make sense? You have things that you value and you treat them differently. As a mom, you will spank someone else's kids in the grocery store because they're acting up while encouraging yours with words of grace and an occasional threat. <laughs> right? You, you, you see it differently. Why? Because there's a treasure involved. I think all babies look alike to me. The only difference is in, in Caucasian babies is some are more red than others. You know? I mean, <laughs> sorry. And I love it when people come up and they just think that their little, you know, baby is the prettiest thing on the planet. Oh, isn't he or she pretty? Well, actually, baby needs some sun. And maybe some hair. And that smell that comes from your baby. Right? It's not my baby. Right? I, don't, I don't treasure that. But when I look at my own kids, wow. Right? What do we do? Because we've placed value in them. Are you recognizing this? So there are certain areas of wisdom where we don't place value. Why? Why don't we place value in some areas of wisdom? It's a rhetorical question. Don't offer answers. Simply because in that area, 
we have control in our life. We got it. I can handle this, God. Take it from here. Thank you. Right? And we become. Notice what it says. My son, verse 1, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Now notice the specific language, treasure my commands within you. This is not, oh yeah, this is not an intellectual assent to truth, but rather this is a living expression of truth inside of us. He says, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. It literally means to lean or turn towards. Tracy and I were eating breakfast the other morning when Amber was having her tests, and sitting behind us were two pastors. Want to know how I knew that they were pastors? Because I inclined my ear to what they were talking about. Sorry. One was the care pastor at a church, and the other was a, a care team leader. And they were taught, well, what about this family? And what about this family? Well, we need to pray for them. And yet they were just going through the whole thing. I, I valued what they were saying. I told Tracy, a couple of pastors behind us. And it was proven out because there was another pastor in the, in the restaurant. He stopped at her table, shook hands like we all do, you know, like we like each other. And, and talked about, about pastoring, right? What do you do? You incline your ear and apply your heart. We'll pick this up next week right here. He said, incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. There are processes here that we'll get to in the midst of this understanding how to create value, how to treasure something by inclining our ear and applying our heart to understanding. This is a living understanding of a living word. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for teaching us in this class. We just are so grateful to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.